Bernie, your show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernie, or you can follow me on Twitter at Bernie underscore Matt. This is episode 46 of the Matt Bernie, show for Tuesday, December the 22nd, 2020. However you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. You've got so many ways to find this podcast, along with all the other podcasts available from the In The Money Media Network. First things first, if you listen audio only, basically anywhere you find a podcast, you can find us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your Android device, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, many other ways as well. However you listen, be sure you rate, review, and subscribe. It means a great deal to us, helps us get out great content. Uh, I know we are approaching a pretty large milestone here as we get closer and closer to the turn of the calendar. Hopefully some more downloads and things of that nature will uh, get us over that threshold. But I know everyone in the money media is very proud of the numbers that we have sort of achieved and in, 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 in eclipsed here in 2020. All things considered, it's been a, a pretty tough year for everyone. So we appreciate all the support and all the interaction that we've had. If you are someone who watches on YouTube or listens on YouTube along, uh, all you got to do, search bar Matt Bernie or show. You'll get this episode along with the 45 prior. Please subscribe to the In The Money Media channel. Make sure that bell icon is lit up. That way you get notified anytime New content is uploaded. If you are on YouTube this week, you'll note that there's nothing more than the title card slate. There will be no video. Uh, I am in the midst of a move to my new location. And you will see the the office, the studio, whatever you like to call it, uh, when we get over the calendar, when we turn to the new year uh, with the next show. If you didn't listen last week, this will be the final show of 2020 for, for this program anyway. I'll be back on Monday, January the 4th. That is the plan, and we'll be back to video and uh, tying up some loose ends. Uh, Trish Smith will be back for the Friday feature when we come back and do that because she was the only one to correctly identify the winner of last week's Friday feature that was flashing red. Uh, so well done, Trish. Uh, you'll be back again. You'll be the second, second time appearing guest on the program. So we will do that and I will reach out. I'll send a, a little bit of a note from last week, but uh, we will do that back when things go sort of to the normal setup anyway. It'll look a little bit different but you'll get used to that. And, and to be honest, I have to get used to it as well because this is an entirely different space for me and um, got some decorating to do. Don't know. Hopefully it's not too echoey in here because there's really not a hell of a lot in here at the moment. But that's, you know, anybody that's made a move at any point in your life, you know, it's not the most enjoyable thing, but you just, you're you're hopeful that you just got to get through all the, all the BS because on the other side of it, you know, it's going to be for the better. So, uh, that's where we are here. That's why there is no video, and that's why this will be the final pod of 2020. And it won't be a show that has any real correlation to the racing upcoming. I know I sort of kicked the tires on the idea of looking at Sanity to opening day. They have drawn the races. Um, I'm not going to go over that in this show. Uh, I know uh, some of the other folks here within the money are going to probably tackle the opening day card at Santa Anita. Be sure to give them a listen. I will write about some of the races over on racingpicks.com. Uh, but as far as this show is concerned, it's basically just going to be a year in review sort of thing. I'm going to go back through and I will fully admit there are probably some performances and some horses that I will just unfortunately omit by no intention. Just in the midst of all the, the crap that's going on, I'm sure there are a few horses and a few races that I'll have, you know, just completely passed over. And it really is not with intention. It'll just be because of 
everything going on. But I thought it was a good time to just let's go through and see. You know, 2020 was a year that everyone will remember for better or for worse, uh, for it being what it has been. And from a racing standpoint, it's it's kind of miraculous that we got through it the way that we did, albeit with an altered schedule, a schedule that we've never seen before and we probably will never see again, knock on wood. But it, it, we did see some really impressive performances and some racehorses that, you know, maybe at certain points uh, folks weren't all in on or didn't fully believe. And conversely, maybe some horses who people loved and they just didn't quite pan out for, for one reason or another. So I'm going to go right back through the beginning of the calendar year and just kind of riff for a little bit here. I'm going to try to keep this thing to, you know, 45 minutes or so. Don't want to go too, too long, but I would like to hear sort of your opinions of the year that was 2020 beneath the video player on YouTube. Leave comments. Let me know what you think. Who do you think? And not necessarily from an award standpoint. The Eclipse Awards are coming up next month. Um, JK and PTF put out a really nice Eclipse Awards sort of, you know, who they would be voting for. Um, they did that show, I believe, last week. And maybe I'll I'll dive into that, you know, in a few weeks' time. But for this, this is more so. I want to hear who you guys think were the best horses. Um, you know, overall body of work aside, who do you think ran the best? Who do you think delivered the most wild performances in 2020? Uh, and who do you think was a little bit disappointing? And for what reasons? All those sort of things. Let's keep that sort of comment section going because that's that's really been one of the most uh, the most heartening things of this show since it, it came back in February, since I came back to doing the pod weekly. Uh, the comment section has always been really strong and it's been a nice sort of forum, I think, for people to get out there and just BS a little bit, shoot the breeze, if not just for the Friday feature, just for other races in general and taking a look at, at you know, pick sequences and talking about horses you do and don't want to use. So uh, I, I'd like to keep that going and let me know beneath the video player on YouTube what you think of some of the horses that will be discussed here in this episode and and, and some horses that maybe I, I forgot or horses who, you know what, the numbers say one thing, but eh, they really weren't all that good. So uh, let's go right back to January, which seems like an eternity ago. Yes, it is almost a full calendar year ago, but it feels like it might as well have been 10 years at this point. Uh, a few horses just to throw out there, and I've kind of separated them dirt and turf. On the dirt, Mucho Gusto wins the Pegasus World Cup with a 107 buyer. Nadal breaks his maiden with a 98 buyer, and Authentic wins the sham with a 90. Uh, I remember when Authentic won the sham, I, I was going, still going out to California to work, uh, do some work with TVG, and I was... He, boy, he's just a complete goofball. I have no idea what you want to do with that horse. Nadal really looked like he could be a little bit of anything. And, and at the time, I feel like he was sort of the bee's knees of the Baffert contingent. Uh, interesting that Mucho Gusto's name comes up because he is going to be running this coming Saturday in San Antonio for the first time since the Saudi Cup. Uh, he is owned by uh, Middle Eastern interests, and the game plan all along has been to get him back to the Saudi Cup. So there you have it. That's why we haven't seen him uh, since February of 2020, but we will see him coming up on Saturday afternoon. Uh, as far as the turf is concerned, the Pegasus World Cup turf, you had Zulu Alpha. He earned a 106 buyer in that spot. Um, again, some of the, the, the buyers... It's interesting to see how they have sort of evolved from early in the season to what they ultimately ended up as. And I can kind of go into that as we continue along here. We turn the, the calendar over to February and you have a horse. There are no speed figures for this race, but the inaugural Saudi Cup, $20 million purse, uh, maximum security wins. Midnight Bisu 
run second. And, and I remember going into it and, and I did a little piece sort of previewing the race. This was early on with, with the pod. It was might have been one of the first episodes since I came back. That Midnight Bisu, she she was a, to me, that, that prototypical one-turn horse who was capable of doing things going two turns just simply because she was that good. And maybe maybe that's even the case with a horse like Monomoy Girl. And we'll we'll talk about her a little bit later on as we get through the months. But, you know, it was just such a fantastic effort from Midnight Bisu. And, and she didn't lose anything in defeat. Maximum security wins. We know the whole deal with Jason's service and, and ultimately what happened with him. You know, however you want to grade the performance from maximum security, there's one thing you can't take away from the horse, and, and it's always been, and it always was on the racetrack anyway, his will to win. He wanted to beat you. Um, whether there was nefarious things going on or not, he he did genuinely have that heart, and you can't, you can't train that. You can't teach that. Some horses want to win, and others don't. Some horses have all the talent in the world, and they're just completely soft. When, it, when they get into a fight. And conversely, you've got some horses who may not have that A-plus talent, but they just want to beat you at all costs. And and I think that was the best thing that Maximum Security had going for him. I've said this a, a number of times, and, and I'll continue to say that um, whenever his name comes up. He had a lot of weird stuff going on. A lot of bad stuff, at least, floating around him. Uh, his will to win was something that could not be questioned. You want to question the credibility of some of the numbers? I totally understand, and and I'm on board with that. But from from a just a pure will to win standpoint, you can't argue with, with that horse. And with Midnight Bisu, you know she I don't want to say she went off form a little bit toward the end of her her career because she did. She she basically showed up and ran in every one of her races. Um, and you can understand why connections stretch horses out to run in those longer races because that's where all the money is. Um, but to me, that that sort of the Saudi Cup to me was proof, in my opinion. N- nobody will convince me otherwise um, that that she, if she had only been campaigned in one turn races, um, she she may have been blemish free. Um, and, and you know, obviously, I'm saying that knowing that she lost this race here that we're talking about, but. Uh, Charlatan breaks his maiden with a 105 buyer. Then all of a sudden he becomes the talk of the town for the Baffert barn, thinking that he's the best three-year-old that he has with Nadal running second or not running second. You get what I'm saying? Second in the pecking order. And then a horse like authentic third. Interesting how things change. Uh, Tis the law wins the Holy Bull with the 100 buyer. If you remember, that was the, the much, the much discussed, ride and trip from Manny Franco and, and would Franco be taken off the mount and da 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 but that was the race to me that that showed the athleticism and the quality of a horse like Tis the Law. Now he'll be a fascinating horse to take a look at when you compare him to Authentic when we continue on through the calendar and you hear some of the numbers you know well you know what we'll, we'll get into it. As far as turf goes Zulu Alpha, another big effort in that Mac Dermot with a 107 buyer. He, when he's on his game, as far as long distance horses go, he's really as good as they get here in the United States. Uh, we turn to March. Charlotte with a 106 buyer in the non-winners of one other than. Vacoma kicks off his really strong 2020. And it's a shame he got sick before the Breeders' Cup. He wins the Sir Shackleton with a 102. Uh, combatant. How about, I mean, it, this isn't meant to be, well, I mean, I guess it is a knock. Who am I kidding? Um, he probably won the weakest rendition of the Sanity at Handicap ever. 
He won it with a 101. I don't know. I had totally forgotten about that race. And and that's usually not a good thing. When when you have a historic race like that and you completely forget about it, uh, it just kind of goes to show what what kind of lasting image that race has. Um, King Guillermo, he he showed up on the three-year-old scene with that big win in the Tampa Bay Derby with a 99 buyer. Uh, it, you know, initially I was like, 50 to one, what the hell are we doing here? Couldn't have been a very good field. Then you look and see, you know, you do a little bit more of a dive and you watch the race. He ran every step of the way. Campaigned interestingly going forward. And, and unfortunately for the connections, the way things played out, they weren't really able to find out if their plan would have worked or not. But the plan was to sit him down until the Kentucky Derby and then come back wherever it ended up being. Well, obviously the Derby ended up getting moved to September and we didn't see King Guillermo again until September. So, uh, excuse me, I shouldn't say that. We saw him in the Arkansas Derby. Then the idea was to sit him out until the Derby and unfortunately he didn't even get to that spot. So, authentic 98 buyer winning the San Felipe. Uh, Swiss Skydiver wins the Gulfstream Park Oaks with a 90 buyer. One of the more fascinating cases and and this is one i definitely would like to hear uh, thoughts and opinions beneath the video player on youtube swiss skydiver might be from a tactical standpoint to see a horse who was very mediocre coming from off the pace and and granted it was early in her career she hadn't really run a lot but for a horse who was so mediocre coming from off the pace they change up the tactics and and she just turned into an entirely different horse when she was aggressively ridden. And, and you can say that not just in that Gulfstream Oaks, but for the race for the rest of the 2020 campaign. She really blossomed once they started putting some speed into her. And the only other horse, and we'll never truly fully know, but the only other horse that, that I can think of that the running style perhaps dramatically could have impacted things was um, First Dude. Now, first dude was a horse who, when he was on the East Coast, he was typically a horse who was much closer to the pace than the one start, and I believe it was only one start, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that Baffert had him for, and that was in the Hollywood Gold Cup, and he rallied from off the pace and looked fantastic. Now, it was on a synthetic surface, but just the idea of, I think, that running style, had he been able to, and I believe that was the final start of his career, but I, it was almost like this is an entirely different horse. A horse who typically, when he's forwardly placed, he kind of spits it. He rallied from off of it and looked as good as anyone, and he beat really top-level racehorses at that time. He's the only ho other horse who immediately came to mind where the running style I guess ultimately led to a different kind of performance. Um, and, and that's what we're, we saw from Swiss Skydiver. That was my thought anyway. Uh, Gamine, she makes her highly anticipated debut, wins the maiden special weight race with an 87 buyer. Uh, she dares the devil, wins the honeybee with an 80. At the time, everyone says she's too slow, and they were correct at that time. She was just, if you tried to look at her just uh, apples to apples, there was no chance that she was as good as some of the big girls. And that sort of got proven in the next start with all of those girls in the fantasy in April. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, excuse me, in May. Uh, and tis the law. The the it horse and the, the horse who, regardless of year-end awards and things like that, the horse who I think is probably the one most synonymous with 2020. He wins the Florida Derby with a 96 buyer, and he's just, he is head and shoulders at that point uh, 
from a seasoning standpoint, from a running style standpoint, visually, he's head and shoulders above the rest of the three-year-olds at that level. That's not including the horses who just recently broke their maiden or did any of that. Uh, as far as the turf goes, it was a little bit light. Uh, factor this, he won the Muniz down at the fairgrounds of the 104. River Boyne, he wins the kill row uh, with a 99 buyer. There were about three horses across the wire. Got Stormy was in there. Um, that was one of her last hurrahs going a mile anyway. She eventually was turned back in distance. So, And we know that how she ran. Let's move on to April, and I'll try to speed things along a little bit. Tom's Zeta and Improbable, they have their showdown in the Oaklawn Mile. Tom's Zeta wins with the one-on-one buyer. Uh, Volatile sort of comes on the scene. He wins an optional claimer with a one-on-one buyer. He looked like he was going to be a major player in the dirt sprint division going forward into the Breeders' Cup. Unfortunately, his career ended a little bit too early with a, uh, a an injury, and he was off to the breeding shed. Cece, another horse who looked like she was going to be a superstar early on in the season. She wins the Apple Blossom after that wicked pace set by Ollie's Candy. Uh, Cece earns the 98 buyer. Ollie's Candy, kind of a theme for her in 2020. Really runs top-level races, but can't get over the hump. Can't get all the money, the big money anyway. Uh, settled for a lot of minor awards. And the old boy makes his sort of debut on the list. Whitmore, 96 in the Count Fleet. Uh, you know, you could have, with all the horses that we had seen and knowing the sort of track record, if you had told me after that race that Whitmore was going to win the Breeders' Cup Sprint, I would have said, "Mm, good luck. Good luck. It's a crazy game. It's a fun game, though, when a horse like Whitmore, who is as easily likable as he is, can get the job done in on the, the, the sport's biggest stage. Halliday, 102 buyer, and an optional claimer on grass. That was sort of the, that was the beginning, at least when you take a look at it from a speed figure standpoint of, well, we may have something here. He may be, from a number standpoint, he is certainly fast enough to run with the best of the best that we have here in the States at a mile. The question is, does he class up? Can he do that against better horses? We move on to May. Now, typically this would have been, you know, the Derby and, the Oaks and all those races. Unfortunately, we know how things played out. But you did still have some impressive performances, specifically with the older horses. By my standards, when the Oakland handicap with a 102, Fighting Mad, probably a forgotten horse for Baffert in the grand scheme of things. She wins the Santa Maria with a 102. Uh, that fantasy, the brilliant performances from Swiss Skydiver and Venetian Harbor, they just put on a show. About 15 clear of the rest of the field in that spot. Swiss Skydiver prevails with the 99 buyer. She dares the devil up the track. She finishes third. She had a terrible trip that day, but she was never going to run with those top two. Uh, Nadal wins the Arkansas Derby. That was a race that we saw King Guillermo in as well. And Maxfield, who we saw come back just uh, last weekend, not the fairgrounds. He wins the Matt win with a 95. At that time, it seems very likely that he's going to be a player in some of these bigger races. Unfortunately, he gets sidelined with an injury. On the turf, Raging Bull, he wins the Shoemaker with a 105. Halliday wins the stakes race with a 103. Raging Bull was always that horse who, if things played out well for him, he could have a chance. Uh, but he always felt like more, a little bit more of a nibbler than anything else. And Halliday, yes, the speed figures are there. Is he going to be as effective sitting off of a target, or does he need to have everything his own way on the front end? We move on to June. Now we're really getting into the into the mix, into the thick of things. You have a triple crown race run. Tis the law. He wins the Belmont Stakes. A one-turn mile on an eighth Belmont Stakes with a 100 buyer speed figure. 
Uh, some of the other big performances, Volatile, his name pops up again. He wins the Aristides with a 112 buyer speed figure. Vacoma wins the Carter with a 110, continuing on sort of this trend of he's throwing up gaudy speed figures in these one-turn races. Uh, Gamine wins the Acorn with a 110. This is when people start taking notice saying, what do we have here? Tom's Data wins the Foster with a 109. By my standards, run second in that race. Improbable wins the Hollywood Gold Cup with a 105 buyer. Those three horses all end up showing down at Saratoga the following month. You look at some of the other performances. Honor AP wins the San Anita Derby with a 102. He immediately shoots to the top of everyone's list as far as the three-year-olds, possibly for the Kentucky Derby. Art Collector comes back to the races with a 102 buyer. He looks like an interesting three-year-old. And if you're looking for some older horses, maybe a horse to, to think about down the road for the Breeders' Cup Classic, a horse like Code of Honor shows up and he beats endorsed, wins the Westchester with the 101 buyer. Again, things are really starting to heat up here. And you have the smashing, smashing performance in the Just a Game on grass from Newspaper of Record with a 105 buyer. Newspaper of Record is going to be that horse for me who will go down as I have, I don't know. I always like to use the, the barometer of how good is your good to, to sort of look for a pecking order if we're thinking from a greatness standpoint. Who, how, how good was your good? Her good was exceptional. The problem is her bad was really, really bad. And, and I, I think that that sort of negates the, the exceptional performances there have been many horses throughout history who could have those big-time performances, but when you come back with clunkers, it's hard for me to sit there and look at you and think of you as an all-timer or, or something approaching a list of, you know, oh, think of the best milers of the past 10, 15 years. She doesn't show up on that list because she wasn't consistently good. That's just my opinion. I'm sure some people would disagree. We move on to July, Vacoma again, the Met Mile. He wins that thing impressively. Gets up late, gets it done, 104 buyer. Monomoy Girl back to the races, 104 buyer in the Ruffian. Volatile wins the Vanderbilt with a 103. Remember, that was that race that had just the impossibly slow pace, uh, and he was able to finish basically like a, a turf sprinter would. Art Collector wins the Bluegrass with the 103. This is also a race, though, that sort of flatters the idea that Swiss Skydiver is a different animal now. She has put things together. She runs a game second to a horse who would have been the second choice in the Kentucky Derby had he not been dinged up the week of the race. So now all eyes need to be, you know, the any kind of questioning of Swiss Skydiver before that race, I think was probably dispelled because of the way that she ran against a horse who many people looked at and said he's going to be a legitimate threat to beat a horse like Tis the Law in the Derby. Maximum Security, the most polarizing horse of 2020 and probably the past two years. Uh, he wins the San Diego with a 101 buyer. That was his uh, first start back, I believe, from Saudi Arabia. Uh, Yalpan wins an N1X with a 101 buyer. His name would become, he kind of, again, you want to talk about just showing up out of the blue. For a horse, I, I'm almost positive he went off favorite in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. For him to be running an N1X races in July just goes to show either A, the, the, the quality of this animal, or B, the lack of depth for the male sprinters. 
And in the Haskell authentic wins with the one-on-one buyer, uh, now the questions are coming up about distance. How far can he go? Because New York traffic comes running at him at the end. I said it then. I feel like I've been sort of proven correct with this this theory. It, it was not a matter of New York traffic getting to him at the end. It was authentic being a dummy. Go back and watch all of his races, basically including that race. He always did something stupid. Because he's just, a, he was just a... Uh, a baby Huey. He was, he was a dope. He didn't know what he was doing. He was young. He was inexperienced. The talent was there, but he didn't know what was going on. And I think that sort of bore out in time as he continued to mature. On the grass, rushing fall. She wins the Jenny Wiley with the 103. Aquaphobia gets a grade one win in the United Nations with a 103. Instilled Regard gets a grade one on grass in the Manhattan with a 102 buyer speed figure. We move on to August. Tis the law, the smashing effort in the Traverse Stakes with the 109 buyer. The high watermark of his career thus far. Now, you know, this kind of goes back. And, you know, I'll wait till September about speed figures. Gamine wins the test, another one-turn race, a very, very pedestrian pace, but she does it in crazy fashion. <clears throat> Excuse me. 108 buyer. Maximum security. Pacific Classic. 107 buyer. People immediately see the number and they say, ah, he's back. Is he back? Or did he get away with just the the easiest of leads going a distance that was suited for him against inferior company? That was my only concern with him going forward. Again, another instance, I think I was proven right. Improbable wins the Whitney, I would say probably the race of the year, if we're looking at it from a quality standpoint, outside of the Breeders' Cup. Because you had the three leading lights as far as the older horses were concerned. As I take a drink. Dry. I've got electric baseboard going on right now in the office. It's on the dry side. Neither here nor there. He had the three leading lights in the Whitney. And I think it proved out going forward. The way that the horses ran, I get it. Some of them maybe tailed off toward the end. A little bit unlucky. But if you're looking at it just strictly from... A race of the year from a quality standpoint that was not named or didn't have a Breeders' Cup sort of uh, prefix, uh, I would say this year's Whitney was was it. An improbable prevailed, and I think he was the best older horse uh, from a consistency standpoint and from an accomplishment standpoint throughout the year. Uh, Fun story, Sleepy Eyes Todd wins the Charlestown Classic. He just won a stakes race last weekend in the Mr. Prospector. 102 buyer at Charlestown. Uh, Yalpon again shows up at Amsterdam, 100 buyer. Visually one of the the wildest victories of the year. Win, 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 wins the forego with a 100 buyer. Comes from off the screen. Had an unbelievable pace to run at. It's running a deluge. Visually just a crazy race. Swiss Skydiver wins the Alabama with a 102 at a mile and a quarter. Now we are stoking up the Derby or Oaks conversation. Which race is she going to run in? Uh, and you have a horse like Fighting Mad who wins the Clemenel Hirsch out at Del Mar. Again, you've got a horse like Ollie's Candy who shows up and she just can't get all the money, unfortunately for her. Uh, on turf, Channel Makers form sort of, you know, the horse who has always been a zigzag type. He shows up with one of his best races. The the difference this time around, he earns the 108. He stayed in that good form. He maintained it for the rest of the year. Halliday, four-star Dave, 
105, was able to walk on the front end, still haven't really answered the question, how will he class up when he has to deal with other heat early on? Mo Fors is probably the horse in 2020 who I would have loved to have seen what would have happened had he been able to run in the Breeders' Cup. Because when you see the result in the in the mile and the way he was going into it, and we'll hear his name one more time before we get to the, the month of November, I, I just, I, I would have loved to have seen him in that race because I think he could have won when you see the result. Order of Australia wins at a, at a billion to one. Mo Forza was going into that race. He had the versatility that, that I think you need to win a race like that. He, it's not like he was a confirmed one-run closer, and he also wasn't a speedball. And he had very, very fast speed figures on his page. It's a shame that we didn't get to see him run in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, Rushing Fall wins the Diana. That was one of the, the better stretch races as well. With Mean Mary, they earned 102 buyers. Um, really just a fun race at a mile and an eighth. Year in and year out, uh, one of the best races in general, but especially so for the girls on turf. Uh, let's move on to September, the big one. Here we go. Let's start off with the Kentucky Derby. Authentic defeats Tis the Law, earns a 105 buyer. Yes, he was able to get out there all by himself on the front end, but he set a legitimate pace and he drew off at the end. Tis the Law took his shot. Then you start to hear all the things. <clears throat> you know, the idea of, yes, okay. There's a little bit of an issue in that. Uh, well, maybe he doesn't like the racetrack. Well, that's fine. You know, you hear some of these other things in... in you know, oh, well, you know, all of a sudden Authentic can get the distance. What happened there? Well, maybe it was a matter of the horse was allowed to do what he wanted to do. And you combine that with the fact that he's probably just maturing at the right time. And tis the law, take nothing away from him, but he ran his race. He just got beat on the square. Sometimes you, you're... I just, I just, it really bothers me when you start to hear excuses or you make excuses after a result doesn't go your way. Would you have said, or would we have heard, oh, you know, uh, the, the track got him. Had he won the race? No. You wouldn't have heard anybody say that. But when he runs second, a very clear second, oh, well, uh, he, he didn't love the track. Well, I hate when that comes up because that that just genuinely sounds like sour grapes. And it's not just the folks who were involved with Tis the Law this year. You hear it time and time again with a number of different horses. And it just feels like if you had won the race, you surely wouldn't have said that. But you didn't. So now you got to find an excuse. You know what the excuse is? Sometimes it's just not good enough. Improbable wins the awesome again with the 108 buyer. That was the race in which Maxim Security kind of took a, a pretty significant step back. And you, you at least... Of the two older Baffert horses, you had to look at it going into the Classic and say, this is improbable all the way. Uh, Kentucky Oaks, she dares the devil, wins with a 101 buyer. You know, again, number of people saying, where did that figure come from? You know, if you're just strictly a numbers player, I get it. Looks like it came out of left field. We've gone down this road. You can go back and listen to the Oaks talk that I've had for those weeks in and around the race. Um she came back and ran in that spinster, and I think, you know, the the number didn't look great. I think she earned a 91, finishing third that day. But I think that pace was pretty destructive when you see the, ra- the way the race was run. It was a relatively quick turnaround for her after a career best in a very, very difficult 
difficult, hard-fought victory over Swiss Skydiver, over Gamin. So, you know, we'll see what happens with her in 2021. Maybe it was a one-off. I don't believe it was. Um, and I don't think she ran poorly in the spinster. But I'm sure some folks that would look at it from a number standpoint would say the Oaks was the one-off. And we'll find out. Uh, and, and a horse who probably needs a little bit of love here is Global Campaign. I really hated the Woodward. I did not think it was a good race in the slightest. The 104 buyer came back. I said, fine, some people are going to be fooled by it. Uh, you know, he's on his left lead. He beat Tacitus. Everybody beats Tacitus. And it just, it, it wasn't a good race. Well, he, he made me look silly because he ran really, really well in the Breeders' Cup Classic to finish third at a giant, giant price. On the grass, Digital Age wins the Turf Classic with a 105. Got Stormy, that lady's sprint at Kentucky Downs with a 103. Her career sort of rejuvenated there for a little bit. And, and one of the better stories, I think, from a racing standpoint in 2020, um, Starship Jubilee winning the Woodbine Mile with a 103 buyer speed figure. Now, it's a shame the way her season, I believe her career, but I believe they're going to retire her after the mile anyway. But for her to dump the rider out of the gate... It's 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 a shame the way everything ended for her, uh, her racing career anyway. If that is indeed the 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 way things shape up, but uh, really just a, a great performance and and one of the better stories. A horse who I believe she was claimed for sixteen thousand um, by the Atard Group, and and for her to win the way that she did, really impressive. One of the better stories in twenty twenty. We move on to October. We're in full-blown prep season, getting ready for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, Complexity wins the Kelso with a 110. He wins that sort of duel with Code of Honor. Uh, you have a horse like Nix Go or K Nix Go, who wins that optional claimer down at Keeneland with a 107, sort of a precursor of things to come. Uh, Swiss Skydiver wins the Preakness over Authentic with a 105 buyer. Happy Saver. He wins that race, the Jockey Club Gold Cup. I think, unfortunately, one of those forgotten races this year, probably because the quality wasn't great, but at least a horse like Happy Saver, hopefully he stays in training, hopefully he stays sound. That's been one of his big problems. He seems like he's got some potential. Talking about potential, Nashville wins an allowance race with a 103. Now, he's going to run Saturday in the Malibu. And those two grade ones, this is all I will say about the Santa Anita card on Saturday because I have not done any sort of a deep dive. I have just seen the overnight. Those two grade one races, and I'm not including the American Oaks, the La Brea and the Malibu, go to show that you can still have, you can have two great races. One has like a five horse field and the other has an 11 horse field, but they can still be great races, both in their own right. I can't wait to see the Malibu. I think it's going to be a phenomenal race, not just with the two big names, Charlatan and Nashville, but you've got Collusion Illusion. You've got Independence Hall. You've got a number of other horses who really look, you got, or I say a number, one or two other horses who have legitimate credentials. And then for the girls' race, take your pick. I mean, it, it, you've got really talented fillies in there, but you can go. You could make a case at face value anyway for so many of them. So we'll see what we get from Nashville. Uh, Jackie's Warrior wins the Champagne with a 100. It's it's two-year-old season, essential quality. Wins the Breeders' Futurity with an 88. And day out of the office, uh, day out of the office, uh, wins the Frisette with a 95. Bequist is the runner-up and sort of a harbinger of things to come. They, they reverse that 
finishing order in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, Factor this wins the dinner party with a 110 down at Pimlico. Channelmaker continues his great form with the 108 in the Joe Hirsch Turf Classic. Mo Fours' name shows up again with a 106 buyer in the City of Hope. And the Shadwell Turf Mile Ivar. Brazilian bred, he wins with a 104, and Uni winning that first lady with a 99. At least it was good to see her get back to to some semblance of what she was the year prior. I don't think she ever regained that 2019 form, but how can you hold that against her? Given you know she's definitely a little bit older, and it's just so hard to be that good over a prolonged period of time, uh, regardless of who your trainer is and regardless of your level of talent. As far as the month of November is concerned, I'm really not going to dive too much into it. The Breeders' Cup, you know all the the stories there at this point. Um, The only other horse that I I felt like probably deserved to get a little bit of shine was Bodie Express for winning the Clark. Um, And and unfortunately, he has since been retired as well because of an injury. But um, really, uh, the, the Breeders' Cup was effectively, when I look at the month of November, it's the Breeders' Cup and you guys all know the drill by now with that and thus far in 20 uh, 2020 thus far in december about three weeks into it uh the the performances that maybe you want to keep an eye on tax winning the harlan's holiday with a 105 one of the more feel-good stories of 2020 uh true timber winning the cigar mile kendrick carmouche gets his first grade one victory and a horse who we may be hearing a lot from in 21 maxfield he wins the Tenacious with a 98. That was his first start in a number of months. He is still undefeated. And, uh, it, you know, it really feels like he could be one of the leading lights in a division of older horses next year who it looks a little bit light right now, if we're being kind. Maybe a horse like Maxfield can kind of uh, take control. And as far as grass goes, if you're looking for maybe a little bit of a wild card, I know it was a claiming crown race, but this horse, since they've moved him to the turf, in sprint races, he's been really strong. Uh, his name is Faya, 96 Spire. He won that claim in Crown Canterbury earlier this month down at Gulfstream Park. So that's just sort of a, a, a brief run through of, of some of the horses in 2020 who I, I think did some big things. And I, and I didn't quite get to my point about the, the whole tis the law and authentic piece. Authentic, you saw a steady progression and, and it, I think this is very important as we're getting ready to turn over to 2021. The two-year-olds are going to become three-year-olds, and we're going to start this entire thing all over again. Authentic had the progression. Incremental steps. He didn't win every race, but you saw the improvements time and time again, culminating in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and I believe a 110 buyer speed figure. Whereas with Tis the Law, with the exception of the Travers, and I'm not going to take the Travers away from him. He did run very, very fast. There was not a giant, or for that matter, really any strong improvement from early on as a three-year-old to where we saw him at the end of the year. He was effectively, and I'll pull up his PPs here real quick, and, and I'm using him as the example, but this goes for any number of horses in in any real division it doesn't matter what we're dealing with i think it's most prevalent with the three-year-olds but you need to be looking for the horses who continue to improve if you're looking down the road so we won't know this in time 
uh, we won't know this right away, but, but it's going to be one of those things that you're going to have to be cognizant of as we get closer to the first Saturday in May. And we get closer to, you know, a race like the Travers. And then obviously as we get closer to the Breeders' Cup, which horses are taking those incremental steps forward and which horses are more or less level. So Tis the Law going back to his first start in 2020. He earned a 100. I'm just going to rattle off his buyers. 100, 96, 100, 109, 103, 104. So, and when I'm saying incremental steps forward, if I compare that to a horse like Authentic, who continued to find that next gear, he didn't start off as a polished sort of completed project like a horse like Tis the Law did. In 2020, Authentic's buyers went 90, 98, 98, 101, 105, 105, 111. That is, to me, the progression you're looking for as opposed to the horse who comes out of the gates firing the best that they've got. Maybe there's a little bit more if everything lines up perfectly, but there is a stark difference in those two things. And from a gambling standpoint, I think it's something you always need to be aware of. And it doesn't necessarily, you know, this may sound like a tangent compared to what this entire pod has been about. But I think as we get closer and closer to the sort of newly turned three-year-olds, these are things to be looking for. Just because they're the fastest right now does not mean they're going to be the fastest six months from now or 12 months from now. And I feel like these two horses, it's a very good juxtaposition of the two. A horse like Tiz Law is still extremely fast. He's still extremely talented. He will win more races. But he didn't take an appreciable step forward, in my opinion, as a three-year-old from start to finish. Authentic had that progression. And you could see it because he was not a finished project. He didn't have the professionalism that a horse like Tiz the Law did early on. He needed the seasoning. He needed the experience. And I can say this for a number of horses. And and I know there are there are names on this list that I, I totally missed. I know Aunt Pearl didn't come up. I know some of the other two-year-olds didn't come up. Because I didn't want to be here and, and put out a three-hour pot. But this is where I need you guys to come in. Who did I miss? Who deserves recognition? Who deserves talking about as we get ready to turn over to 2021? Leave your thoughts and opinions beneath the video player on YouTube. Because I want to see who I missed, who I need to take, make a quick little note about, throw them in the horse watch mail. So when they pop back up, I go, oh, so-and-so told me about this one. Uh, I hope this was an enjoyable way to wrap up 2020. Uh, You know, again, for the most part, this is a show that it's going to be more topical and we we mix in some handicapping we mix in the friday feature and things like that but this one to wrap up the year knowing uh, i won't be back next week i figured it was a good time for one that would be at least uh, a little bit more on the the evergreen side for these final uh what nine days of the year 2020 so i uh, hope you all enjoyed it please again leave thoughts comments opinions beneath the video player on youtube you can follow me on twitter at bernie or underscore matt Uh, However you listen to this, thank you for doing so. You have all the places you can find podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your Android device, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, where you can find all the other podcasts that In The Money Media has to offer. 
If you are one of the folks on YouTube, again, search bar Matt Bernier Show. This episode will pop up along with the 45 prior. Um, it, it's been a, a, a very interesting 2020. Let's hope 2021, frankly, is not nearly as interesting uh, as this year has been. But from a racing standpoint, I hope it is every bit as interesting and exciting, uh, if not more so. Thank you again for all the support here in 2020. I look forward to coming back. On January the 4th, and diving back into everything that is the world of horse racing. Until then, enjoy the holidays. Be safe. Don't do anything stupid. Uh, We'll be back on January the 4th with the latest episode of the show. But until then, this has been episode 46 of the Matt Bernier Show. Best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, or wherever you play.